it's good to be back. Welcome in to Please Bear With Me. My name's Scotty Swingler. So happy to be with you this week after taking last week off. Huge thank you to Michael Bartlemay and Travis Roeder for uh, making an outstanding episode last week. Travis, such a smart guy, huge contributor for ODB, and so thankful he was able to join us last week. We will definitely have to have him back as the season progresses and as more numbers become available on the Baylor Bears. Coming up here in just a few minutes, I am going to have a conversation with Travis Corley. Travis hosts the Oso podcast, which started up last season. You know, Travis is a guy a lot like myself, very passionate about Baylor football, does the podcast out of his own love for Baylor and and the football team, and he does an outstanding job. And so Travis and I are going to have a conversation and just talk about what we want to see against Kansas. And, you know, it's hard right now to create content around Baylor football, just being frank with you. I texted Tim Watkins over at 247 Sports and said, I want to write some articles here about this Baylor football team, but I just have nothing, right? I mean, the way I look at football and the way I've written most of my content for 247 Sports covering Baylor is looking at the games, looking at what's going on on the field. And oftentimes I take that into speculation town, right, or into analysis mode, but i got to see some football, man. And at this point, you know, this past weekend I was watching Oklahoma State have a meltdown against Tulsa, watching a few other games here and there, and just so badly wishing I could have watched Baylor face Houston. And that game, of course, got postponed and might as well be canceled. Doesn't look like they're going to get a good makeup date for that. And I want to talk about that a little bit as we lead off today. And I specifically want to talk about the story. Let me give a shout out to my father who said he would appreciate the shout out. So here's here's the shout out to, quote, dear old dad for showing me this story. And you can find this on gokoogs.com. But it quotes Joel Klatt as he spoke on Outkick the Coverage, which is Clay Travis's radio show on Fox Sports. So this is uh, what Joel Klatt said Monday morning on Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. And he says this about the Baylor versus Houston cancellation. Joel was in Waco to be the color analyst for that broadcast. Joel Klatt, an excellent broadcaster, one of my favorites. And he said that Dave Aranda actually had the final say in the cancellation of the game because had he reinstated Xavier Newman-Johnson for the game, Baylor would have met that offensive line minimum threshold and would have been able to play the game. So let me clarify this. The offensive line group is what caused the game to be postponed. They did not have enough players eligible based on the contact tracing and positive test to play the football game against Houston. They had to meet a certain minimum. I believe it was seven players. They did not meet it, so Baylor did not play. However, Joel Klatt is saying (laughs) that Xavier Newman could have been that seventh lineman, but as most of us know, Newman was suspended for game one by Coach Aranda for some off-field issue. Doesn't matter what it was. We don't need to know, right? But he was suspended. Aranda could have reinstated him for the game, giving Baylor enough offensive linemen to play the game, and chose not to. I'm quoting Joel Klatt from this story on GoCooks.com. Here's what Joel Klatt said. Dave Aranda did something that I think is going to pay dividends for him in the long run. Baylor fell under the Big 12 threshold by one in the offensive line group. You need seven available to play, 
and they didn't apparently have that based on their numbers. He could have gotten to the threshold if they unsuspend one of the players, but he was unwilling to do that. And he said, Aranda, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to unsuspend a player on my first game as I'm trying to build something here. End quote. I've got to tell you, folks, this is what you want to see if you're a Baylor fan and you just came off a three-year Matt Rule run that was incredible and that reestablished the character of the program. This is exactly what you want to see from Coach Aranda, and I give him nothing but highest marks on that decision. This might make certain kinds of Baylor fans angry. You might think it makes the players angry. We could have played, but once again, we didn't get to play. Uh, it certainly made Dan Dana Holgerson at Houston angry. In fact, the story says that Dana was pissed. But I have to give it to Aranda here. Aranda understands the key elements of what Matt Rule did to make this thing work. And one of those key elements was that Matt Rule emphasized off-field excellence, whether that's in the classroom or just how you behave yourself in public, just as much as he emphasized on-field excellence on the football field, which obviously we know he achieved very quickly at Baylor. Aranda understands this. Aranda did not come in to change the ethos of the program. Aranda came in to reestablish, reaffirm, and expand the ethos of the program, this idea that Baylor football is a place where you come to be excellent, where you come to be excellent in all walks of life, and where we're going to do things the right way. Because rest assured, y'all, rest assured, if something else popped up around Baylor football, similar to what popped up four or five years ago, I don't want to think about what the consequences might be. Some people thought Baylor football should have had the death penalty that time. What happens if something like that happens again, and Baylor football is covering something up, anything? Not good, y'all. Rule understood that. Aranda understands that. And Aranda sticking by his guns and saying, you know what? We could play this game. We And, and you know, 99% of those kids on that football team deserve to have a game, right? Like, they, they need to play. They want to play. You know, it hurts, and it's like a gut punch to have two games in a row, two weekends in a row where you get all amped for game day, and then you don't get to go out there and play. That hurts. But Aranda says, you know what? It's more important that we maintain our integrity, that we maintain our character, that we stick to our convictions. And when I tell a player you're suspended, you're suspended, and that's it. There's no reneging on that. There's no moving that back. Incredible dedication and character and again, Aranda, he doesn't just jump out. He doesn't just jump off the screen or out of the radio at you like Matt Rule did, right? I mean, that's well established. But every decision he makes, every move, I am just continually impressed with him. And again, I've said this before. It started with keeping McGuire on staff, and it has continued all the way up till now where he just continues to make decisions that reaffirm that this was the right hire for Baylor, that he is going to be an excellent success here, that Mac Rhodes hit gold once again. And, uh, you know, with a guy like Aranda, he's moved around a lot. You already get fears that he'll be like Matt Rule. He'll have three or four good seasons at Baylor and leave. 
Dude, this is a guy that reminds me of Scott Drew in a lot of ways, and I hope he's at Baylor for a long time, a long, long time. If he's at Baylor nearly as long as Scott Drew, it'll be tremendous for the program, but if he can even stick around six, seven years, what a win for Baylor. What a win for Baylor. He's done a great job. want to welcome in Travis Corley to Please Bear With Me. Travis has his own Baylor football podcast, the Oso Podcast. Make sure you check that out. I'll let you tell everybody more about that here in a little while, Travis. Uh, Thanks for being on, man. Good to see you on the Zoom call. It's been fun lately doing Zoom calls about football more so than just Zoom calls trying to preach to students over Zoom. You have no idea how hard that is as a youth pastor, (laughs) but welcome aboard, man. What's going on? Not a whole lot. I am enjoying the rain. It is much needed right out my out my window here. And thank you for having me on. I'm uh, I've been wanting to be a guest on your pod here for a little while, and I'm I'm glad I'm finally getting to make the appearance here. Um, a little bit about the Oso. It's kind of like a more general view of the fans viewpoint of the game, if you will. So yeah, I'm going to give you some stats and a little bit of a deep dive, but it's going to be more in general terms of, hey, this is what happened in the game. This is what we can expect next week and from the team we're going to play next week. There you go. So Travis Corley, the Oso Podcast, make sure you check that out. And we actually had Travis on, uh, I believe it was to preview Baylor, Georgia in the bowl game last year. And because for the third year in a row, I just slipped up got busy around christmas time and didn't publish my bowl game episode uh we missed out on that and so it that happens. was my bad for those of you who do not have a podcast it happens and it is yeah. totally understandable yeah totally well thank you for your grace man thanks for coming on so Absolutely. dude i mean this is a weird week to be a baylor football podcaster because uh, two weeks in a row you have a game canceled uh, at this point, I feel like we know Aranda fairly well, uh, as well as you can without being in a game situation. Uh, we know this team pretty dadgum well in terms of personnel, and yet you can't really say a whole lot <laughs> until they get out on the field and do something against an opponent, right? I mean, how are you looking at this team right now, evaluating them as, as you're producing your pod, man? So the, the main evaluation that's come from me is what did I expect to see from a depth chart standpoint and what did I actually see from a depth chart standpoint. So I think uh, the biggest surprise to me was Ashton Logan overcoming William Bradley King at the linebacker position. I'd say uh, WBK was one of my uh, players I was most looking forward to, to watch him play this year. Um, yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for, for Ashton Logan to make that leap, sounds like he had a pretty big spring, even though there was no spring ball, uh, but sounds like he made a pretty big impact, and he's overcome WBK there, um, which is exciting from a depth standpoint. And Aranda's always talked about versatility, versatility. I want versatile defenders, and especially at the linebacker position, that's what we have. We've got about five or six guys that are going to rotate in at that position. You've got Petrie starting and then McVeigh's listed as the backup safety, but he's going to get playing time at linebacker as well. Coach Aranda's even mentioned in his first game press conference, he was like, look, Ash, uh, Petrie and McVeigh, they're two of our better players. We've got to get them on the field at the same time. We, we've got to make it happen. So I'm really, really excited to see 
what are we going to do with our linebackers? We've got six of them. We can throw them anywhere we want. And, I, I, you know, the defensive line was that group last year where we were all, like, just waiting for them to make a play, excited to see them play. You know, they're, they're dominating every game. I think that group this year is the linebackers. I'm really excited to see what Coach Aranda is going to do, move them around. I know we have a set, a defensive set. We may not see it a lot this year because of lack of practice time, but it's, uh, I believe he calls it peso, peso. I, I'm not sure, but it's P-E-S-O. And essentially we would have two defensive linemen in the game. And then the other five in the box would be, would be linebackers. So no telling when that's going to get rolled out, but I'm super excited to see it. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the biggest on the defense. Uh, no, no really surprise on the offense uh, other than Jake Burton coming in there at right tackle. Huge, huge get for us was the, the weakness of our team last year. Now with Galvin at left tackle, we've got Burton coming in at right tackle. That sh- you know, the addition of Burton, if you look at it, it really gives us two more offensive linemen in depth because we had Phillips and Bedier rotating in at right tackle. Well, now we've got Burton. He's going to play every snap. So now we got Phillips and Bedier to move around. So we really got two, two more depth in the offensive line. No, that's a terrific point. And to, to two things you said, I think the transfers this year are going to be huge. I think William Bradley King gets on the field, whether he's listed as the starter or not, and he's going to be a, a guy that's on the field third down going after quarterbacks. That's going to be huge. You're absolutely right. I was going to mention Jake Burton before you even got there. Uh, huge get, huge encouragement to see him work his way immediately into the starting group. You know, that's what you want when you get a a senior transfer like that, a guy who has a lot of experience under his belt. And then the guy you didn't mention, although you talked uh, plenty about the linebackers, is Dylan Doyle. Yes, yes, Dylan. Coming in to be a starter there and and moving Bernard over to that other linebacker slot. And uh, just, just interesting to watch how that whole group, as you said, is shuffled around. And I think there is a lot of depth there. And I think... Matt Rule actually set this group up very well for what Dave Aranda wants to do, simply in terms of also a coach who believed in positional flexibility, even going from offense to defense, having multiple guys who could play both ways, making the shift very early last season from the four-man front to that three-man front because it better fit the personnel we had and those stud defensive linemen that we had down there, getting Bravey on as a true nose and letting our linebackers kind of do some of that work. Man, so everything you just said, on point. Man, uh, I was just screaming mad when this game got canceled yet again. You know, the Baylor-Houston matchup Friday, dude. You couldn't take it any more down to the wire. I read a really interesting story right before we started taping that I want to catch you up on and maybe get your perspective on. My dad actually fired this to me. Joel Klatt was supposed to be the color analyst for this game for Fox for Baylor Houston uh, really like Joel a lot of people really like Joel and uh, he says that Baylor could have had enough eligible offensive linemen to play the game however coach Aranda would not move Xavier Newman's suspension to a different game some of us know Xavier Xavier Newman uh, off the field something or other who needs to know the details we definitely don't need to know the details but he he was suspended for this first game and so what Clatt has said and I read this on gocoogs.com but what what they said Clatt said is that because of who 
was eliminated from the game because of Big 12 protocol, the offensive line group. Had Newman played, Baylor actually could have had enough players to go forward with the game. But Aranda made the decision and said something to the effect of, I'm not going to reinstate him for a game. I'm trying to build a culture here built on character, and I'm not going to move his suspension just because that means we get to play. I'm going to stick with it. For me, I can see why that would frustrate some people, but I have a feeling the players are mostly behind it. And to me, that just speaks incredibly well of Aranda's character and priorities. And again, kind of puts him right just in that mold of Matt Rule, you know, of character counts. We're going to push you in the classroom. We're going to push you off the field. You have to do it all right if you're going to play. Hearing that story, how does that land for you? And have you heard anything about that? Uh, you know, that Negative. situation with the offensive line group. Okay. So that's, well, how's that, that land for you then? Yeah. So that's the first I'm hearing of that. And I mean, I agree with you with, with coach Aranda. I'm re- it's a really positive sign that he is not just going to reinstate one player so that, so that the rest of the team can benefit. You know, this isn't, this is a team game. This isn't an individual game. And he just stressed that right there. So that right there is the right decision, and I'll back Aranda and Rhodes and Baylor up on on postponing this game. Okay, um, from day one, I've said if we're going to have a season, safety has to be number one. If, the, if there's any risk of any player contracting this virus, we, we've got to shut it down. And I, I look at it from a, if this was like the regular flu, would we be, play, would we be up in arms about this game getting postponed? You know, probably not, probably not. Um, so w- when I look at it from that standpoint, I'm I'm still backing Baylor there. And then on top of that, um, I don't know which offensive lineman we had available. So that would answer more questions to me. But if we had, you know, say we did have that seven offensive lineman, like you said, that Joel Klatt ha- has said we did have. Let let's say we had seven if- offensive linemen. But let's say it's four freshmen and three sophomores. What what are we doing throwing Brewer back there with with those with, with that protection? You know, it's it doesn't make sense. It's not smart. No, that and that's a terrific point that I haven't seen anybody else break bring up. And granted, I just got back from a vacation, so I haven't followed a lot of this as closely as I would have. But yeah, the guy. <laughs> I think every single Baylor fan I've talked to is like, we have to keep Charlie healthy right and so you're you're absolutely right if four of those linemen who were uh affected by this were starters you don't play uh if nothing else to protect brewer but also like you said to protect all the players and i know man i'm just gonna touch on this i don't want to dwell on it way too long i do want to get into football but you mentioned on your twitter account uh earlier today that you're pretty skeptical we're gonna get this game off saturday since I saw you tweet that Rhodes and Aranda had a press conference, they seem a little more confident that we're going to get this done. How do you feel about this weekend? I'm supposed to go, so trust me, I, <laughs> I want it to happen, man. How do you feel about this weekend's game? I feel a little bit better after the, after the press conference. I originally said that um, before those comments were made. Just, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was skeptical. I would just say I was putting my mind in that situation of I'm just going to expect us not to have a game you're preparing to have your heart broken again absolutely absolutely and so that that's kind of where that came from but since that that presser 
you know, they came out, they said, we've got five players back from that positional group. They're not, it's weird to me that they're not even coming out and saying, you know, we're getting five offensive line back. Like it's pretty well known if it's the offensive line group. And it's interesting to me that they keep saying this positional group. That's kind of a side tangent, but we're getting five players back on that offensive line. We're getting six players or around six players. I think they mentioned from injury. So that, that bolsters our depth. He actually said he bolsters our depth. So after after hearing that, um, it makes me more confident, but I'm still going to expect there to not be a game, unfortunately for you, Scotty. Well, I'm going to talk to you for the next few minutes as if there is going to be a game because that's our job, Travis. That's our job is, yeah. to, is to talk Baylor football here. Tell me this, man. Kansas obviously had an ugly loss to open their season. It looks like they are still in the cellar. Hard to overlook Kansas when Les Miles is their head coach, and I, and Dave Aranda knows that better than anybody. But let's assume that this game goes off. Let's assume that most of the players who you'd expect to play are playing. How do you define success for Baylor in game one? Because to me, a win is not necessarily success. I Maybe I'm being a little... Uh, pro Baylor here but I think Baylor should handle Kansas fairly easily uh, with the talent that Baylor has so the question is what do you want to see on either side of the ball to really feel good about this team going into the rest of the Big 12 gauntlet yeah so I think the first first thing I want to see is our offensive line just look comfortable and get a push I don't want to see our offensive line a yard, two yards behind our line of scrimmage on running plays. You know, their their defensive line is pretty inexperienced. It's not fantastic. We should be pushing them back every single run play. So that's going to be the first, the first thing I look for. The second thing I'm going to look for is it, it goes right, right with that. We should have 200 yards rushing. We should have 200 yards rushing in this game. And if we don't, I'll be shocked. There's got to be some crazy reason why we didn't. Like, we should ram this ball down their throats. So my biggest thing is seeing that offensive line, getting that running game going. And then defensively, the defensive line. I want to see what we've got at defensive line. I, I think that's the biggest question mark right now to me is what we're going to get out of those guys. And it, it's kind of the opposite of the offensive line. I want to see our defensive line get a yard, two yards behind their line of scrimmage when they do a running play. You know, so it's all of that, and it's, a, it's, it's cleanliness. It's a clean game. No turnovers, little penalties. Yeah, you know, I want to see us communicating. I want to see us have high energy. It's all the intangible things I want to see as well. No, that's real good. It all starts up front, and I think to disappoint you, man, and having watched high school football for a few weeks now as Texas high school football has gotten underway, I think the mistakes are going to actually be a plenty. I think that's just first game of the season, plus new coaching staff and playbooks, plus I think think there's going to be some of those pound-your-head-into-the-ground penalties and frustrations, but overall, I agree with you. You mentioned rushing, and I think this is interesting. If we look at who Larry Fedora is as an offensive guy he's he's much closer to Bryles than he was to Matt Rule's philosophy he's a spread him out run based get the ball down the field quickly 
you know, Charlie Brewer obviously making a lot of comments this offseason about how it resembles the offense he ran at Lake Travis, and we know how successful he was and accurate he was in such an offense. But in my opinion, uh, the running back group is the strongest group on this offense. I think more than the quarterbacks who are good, more than the receivers who are really good, I think the running back group is deep and strong because beyond Ebner and Lovett, who are two of the three or four best players on this team, you have uh, Quaylen Jones, you have Squirrel Williams, who we still need to see uh, break out and stay healthy. He's got. You I'm know. so excited for him to do something. Like they've been oh, yeah. saying, we're waiting. Oh, like, yeah. Squirrel, he's gonna break out. He's gonna do like. I'm waiting for it to happen. I think it's this year. He is the closest thing to Lake Seastrunk since Lake Seastrunk. And in, in terms of pure, just cut, stop on a dime, explosive acceleration. I mean, that's that's Squirrel Williams. But so here's a question, man. You talk about rushing, and I, I think this is something people aren't thinking about. Everyone's talking about Charlie Brewer, Charlie Brewer, Charlie Brewer, and for good reason. He's arguably the best quarterback in the Big 12, and he's a winner. He's done great things at Baylor. But would you agree with me that ideally – this offense this year is very run heavy, and you're asking Charlie 20 times a game to drop back, roll out, make a big throw. If Charlie can go 17 for 20 for 200 yards, give or take, carry the ball four or five times a game, and other than that, you're just letting those backs go, is that not, based on personnel, your best move if you're Larry Fedora? Totally agree. I mean, totally agree. That you, when you even when you look back at the, at the Bryles type offense, it was predicated on the run. Big it's time. still predicated yeah. on the run, and that that's exactly what this offense is going to be. I, I think Lovett has an opportunity to be the best back in the Big Twelve. He's got he's got the tools and the body to do it. Okay, all right, Travis. Hey, I love you and I love Baylor, but you're forgetting about the Canadian there at Oklahoma State, man. Oh, good old Chuba. Yeah. That guy yeah. is too good, bro. He's he's that guy is too good. From a, I yes, I'll, I'll give you that. Which is why I said could be one of the best backs in the Big Twelve. One of <laughs> I'll give you one of the best. Oof. Uh, Chuba's pretty good. He's very good. Uh, but when you've got Lubbock, you've got Ebner. I'm really excited to see what we're gonna do with Ebner. He came in as a receiver. I mean, we've got to put that guy in at, at back and then motion him out to the slot. And, I mean, we've got to move that guy around. Same thing with Squirrel. And then, I mean, the fourth on the depth chart is Quaylen Jones. And, oh, man, I am so excited about Quaylen Jones. This guy's, like, legs are like tree trunks, man. I am so excited to see Quaylen play. So, I, I'd be shocked if he didn't get carries this game. If all four of those guys don't get carries this game. Um, but you're right. Our, our offense has got to be run first this year. And everyone's excited. You know, Charlie Brewer's amazing. They're, he's ran this offense, like you said, at Lake Travis flawlessly. Everyone wants to see him get back there and throw 30 to 40 times in a Big 12 offense, get all the stats, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not what's going to win us the most games. You're exactly right. I want to see Charlie go 13 of 17 for 220 yards and two touchdowns every game. Absolutely. Well, and and you got to know, I mean, not only is that best, I think, in terms of personnel, not only is that best in terms of protecting his health, but that means when he does have the ball on a rollout, I think it gives him even more freedom to be creative 
to make plays, to run. I mean, I think just all around, if you have him doing less, less often than when he does have the ball in his hands and you want it in his hands, especially in crunch time, he's got a little more freedom. You know, I think my two big criticisms of that offense last year were just in general, Rule and Nixon were not very creative. No. Um, it, it was not creative. There Vanilla, was, man. And the, and the very few trick plays they attempted were all disastrous and uh, a little rough. And then secondly, man, man. Cringeworthy, our trick plays were. Absolutely. And then the last thing is, man, Rule made a commitment last year. We're not going to run Charlie. We have to run Charlie less. And it was just, it was bunk, dude. I mean, just whether it's because the offensive line still wasn't great and he just had to scramble a lot or, but I mean, even in the red zone, how, how often did Rule just pound Charlie into the line in the red zone and know that, you know, he's probably going to get in the end zone. But yeah, man, I, I want to see a lot less of that and a lot more of letting him be him and work his accuracy downfield and let those running backs carry the game. So absolutely, man. Um, we got too many weapons to let to let Charlie be taking ten carries a game. Absolutely. Uh what about out of this defense, dude? we've talked a little bit about the defensive line, but specifically, man, I mean, what is success against Kansas? Obviously Puka Williams, another guy that's arguably one of the best backs in the Big Twelve and and super lightning quick and talented. What is success against a Kansas offense that again is struggling this season, but how does Baylor's defense measure its success. So I think specifically against Kansas, you mentioned Puka Williams. Um, that their offense goes, their offense lives and dies with Puka Williams. And success for me this weekend is keeping Puka under eighty yards, under definitely under the hundred. I think if we leave him under in that seventy to eighty mark, I think that's that's an excellent mark to get to. I think at that point we're forcing their quarterback to make more plays. We want the we want the ball to be in the quarterback's hands, not Puka's hands this weekend. And so that's what I'm looking for. I don't want Puka to average more than three and a half yards per carry. I want that less than three, and I want him between you know sixty and eighty yards, something like that. That would be incredible. I think that would be more than success. I think that's outstanding. Uh, I think for me, it's it's what do you give up on first down? Right. Because like you're saying, if you can if you can keep them behind the chains, first down, second down, make them throw the ball in third down, I think you're in good shape. So what are you giving up on first down? Uh, and then secondly, I think it's turnovers. I think Dave Aranda, even more than rule, wants to emphasize, go get the ball. I mean, make a play, be a playmaker. And I think we have the secondary certainly to go get the football a few times and you know with the skill you have at linebacker you'd hope that you can force some turnovers there as well what do you think we'll get out of our secondary this year I'm pretty I'm pretty confident in Barnes and Tejada at cornerback Uh, what are you feeling about Woods and Christian Morgan back there man that's a great question I think I'm going to add another name to that cornerback list I think Mark Milton is showing a lot of people in this past offseason how good he's going to be I think that guy's going to be a real playmaker at corner as well probably start as a slot corner or a nickel corner but I think I think as we get into the season Mark Milton's going to play a lot of one-on-one on the outside and be very successful yeah I think it's safety what's really uh, confidence inspiring for me is even though Woods and Morgan are not multi-year returning starters they have a ton of experience, dude. Like they have, they played a lot of snaps under rule, and that's where again I think 
rule kind of sets you up for success this season with this philosophy of we're going to play a lot of guys. It's not just about position flexibility, it's about depth. And, you know, he was constantly rotating in guys, not only along the front seven, but even in the secondary. So JT Woods, Christian Morgan, a lot of playing time. And I actually think, particularly with Christian Morgan, I think you have, again, a guy that's a ball hawk and can go get the football. And they're going to get beat. They're going to get beat. I mean, there there's going to be the plays this season where we roll our eyes because they got beat deep over the top or weren't in the uh, right spot in terms of coverage. I think that's that comes with being in the first year in a new system yet again. Think about how much we saw Davion Hall struggle first year in Phil Snow's system. And Davion Hall, heck of a player, heck of a player, heck of an athlete. And you would think as a former receiver for Bryles, he would have been a ball hawk back there. Really struggled. And I don't think it's because he was a bad player. I think it's it's just if you're a safety in a new system, you've, you've got a lot to do back there. So that being said, though, I think Woods and Morgan will be very successful. How do you feel? I feel about as good as I can feel about them. Like you said, you know, rule, rule cycled them in quite a bit. We saw uh, Chris Miller get like 70 targetings last year, so that got him some playing time too. <laughs> so, you know, I, f- I feel about as, as good as I can about him. I'm going to miss Chris Miller this year, dude. Oh, me too, man. Me too. It's so fun. I mean, I was watching last night the Seahawks and the Patriots. It's so fun to have that enforcer at the safety position that can not only do something in, the, in coverage, uh, but also get up to the line of scrimmage and make tackles for loss and be a threat to blitz jamal adams is the best safety in the nfl for that reason derwin james who i know just had a season ending injury but he's that same way when he's healthy i'm gonna miss him just coming out of nowhere on the tv screen like not even in the play and and make the play i love that i'm gonna miss that that's what i was gonna say i don't know if woods or morgan either one is that kind of guy but maybe we'll see maybe one of them maybe one of them will emerge i hope so yeah well, man, uh, tell us, As I mean, again, we we are waiting and hoping and praying this season gets to a start this Saturday, but how do you have the Bears looking this season, man? What do you expect from like a win-loss perspective or from a success perspective? My view is getting weird. I don't really know what to think after watching all these Big 12 teams struggle. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas, obviously, Kansas State, all losing to people that they should not be losing to, and maybe that's just early season jitters, and and they'll bounce right back. But what do you expect Baylor to do in the Big Twelve this year, man? Yeah, so what do we? We had ten games slated for the year. I think I had us, and, and like you said, going into the Big Twelve this year, I I assumed you know Iowa State was going to look really good. I assumed Oklahoma State was going to look really good, which they haven't. And for that reason, I had them finishing higher than us. Um, so I had us at like six and four. I thought our ceiling was eight wins. And I thought our, our low was five wins. Um, so yeah, I, I see us finishing like middle of the pack in the Big 12, to, to be quite honest with you. If you look at the schedule, who who are you looking at as like key pivot game or or games we gotta win? So if we're if we're gonna get to that eight wins, we gotta beat Oklahoma State at home. We've got that week four and five. Now that I'm looking at it, real crucial. Oklahoma State at home, and then Texas away. I think we need to go one of two there. We can't lose both games there. I don't even now think we can win eight games, and maybe. <laughs> That, you're probably the most optimistic guy I've heard say that. I've heard well, most people put the ceiling at six or seven. when we had ten games, I thought we could win eight. 
Now it's more like seven, I probably, but yeah, yeah right. I, I thought our ceiling was eight. You're right. That Oklahoma State game at home is huge, and I, I was pretty confident we were going to get shellacked in that one. And uh, if they continue to struggle, maybe maybe that is a game Baylor can steal. I think you have to win TCU at home. Uh, I think TCU right now is more down than they've ever been under Gary Patterson. It's bad, man. It really is, and um, it's a credit to Patterson that this is really the first year in a long time that they haven't been considered as a contender for for a conference championship. You know, so but you have to win that game at home. And then uh, I agree with you. I think Texas on the road is huge. And I've said it, this is year three in a row, dude. Sam Ellinger is the most overrated player in the Big 12. He has never scored a touchdown against Baylor. (laughs) And I think if you still don't have a full DKR, if the stadium is still not just bumping and rocking, I think you got to go in there and win that game if you're Baylor. And I think if you go in there in, in the first year under Aranda and beat Tom Herman after he's been there for a while now, man, I think that's got to got to make a statement across the country, not just in the Big 12. Absolutely. I think that was probably my hardest game to pick now that I'm looking at it. Maybe Iowa State away. But I think Texas away was my toughest pick just because I don't know, man. There's there's just something in my conscience that every time I see Texas, you know, I still think they're Texas. So Dude, they haven't been back since Colt McCoy was I, there, bro. You're you're right. You're right. I give them too much credit. I give them too much credit. But <laughs> yeah, I see that Texas game as a toss-up really. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, I know like I was really worried my two least favorite places to play in the Big 12 are probably Morgantown and Ames. But you know, without fans there, I think it's a whole nother dynamic. I think West Virginia is going to be sneaky good this year. I don't know that we're going to get that game in Morgantown. We always play bad in Morgantown, too. You know, that was, uh, that was another game I had a little bit of a tough time picking as well. Um, but I think I, I gave us the win there away just because it was early in the year. And I didn't really like West Virginia last year, even though we almost lost to them. Almost messed around and, and lost to West Virginia. But, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Morgantown's always a tough place to play. I've seen they've already announced there's going to be no fans at the game at all, which is a positive for us. There's going to be some funneled-in crowd noise, which I'm still – I don't know if I like that yet. The NFL's been doing it too. It, it, when I watch it on TV, it's like, okay, it seems less weird. But as a player – I don't know how I feel about it as a player. I'd almost feel like, man, I kind of want it to be quiet so I can hear everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard mixed reviews. What's weird about the NFL is they're letting you pump it in at 70 dB, whereas like a real crowd is a lot louder than that, you know, especially especially a fired up crowd. I actually don't think that's going to affect much at all. I think that's going to feel like practice when your coaches crank the music and make you work in a loud environment in practice. I don't think this is too different. But, well, man, we've covered a lot of ground here. I've kept you for a while. Let's close this thing out. We've talked big picture. We've talked COVID. We've talked Kansas. We've talked schedule, man. I'm, I'm just getting you, your opinion on everything. We've talked about what we need to see to consider it a success but what do you expect against Kansas man what do you think Baylor's going to do give me a score prediction tell me what Baylor's going to do if that game goes off Saturday and uh, let's let's look into this yeah so man I I really do think I said we need to ram the ball down their throats I think our coaching staff is going to see the exact same thing and I really do expect us to rush the ball heavily 
heavily. I expect to see three to four running backs get carries because by the end of the game, we should be up pr- pretty big. Kansas is not, they didn't bring any transfer players in this year. They are going solely to developing talent. They're going to be really young, really inexperienced. And so I expect us to be a big by halftime, continue to run the ball. I think it ends anywhere. Oh, man, I haven't even done my prediction yet. I'll I'll throw out 35-10, something like that, like a 3-4 possession game. Yeah, I don't think you're far off. I expect, you know, when Baylor's offense is on the field, Baylor has the five or six best players on the field at the time, right? I mean, led by Charlie Brewer. So I expect a lot of points. I I think fans are just going to be exuberant over Fedora's offense and the throwback, if you will, to more of the spread them out and fling it around and get some big plays going. So I expect Baylor. I I, I had it about forty two ten. So very very close, very similar. Uh, I think I'm most curious to watch this defense, dude. I'm really interested to see all the new faces up front. I'm really interested to see what Aranda's scheme looks like compared to Snow. I'm not concerned about stopping Puka, but it wouldn't surprise me either if he busted off a couple long ones against you know a lot of new starters on defense. So yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't be shocked either. It's our first game. There's no telling how much live tackling we we've actually done. So wouldn't be shocked if he breaks a couple, maybe one. You know, no no big deal too. We're we're still learning, and I'll I'll warn the fans out there. I, I'm we may see a little bit of the rule Baylor against Kansas just because we haven't played any games, haven't had much practice. So if you if we get out there and we don't see that Fedora offense, nobody freak out, okay? And if we get out there and we see that same base rule defense, don't freak out. It's okay. It's our first game, guys. <laughs> Let me get back to what I said a lot last season. Rule Baylor almost won the Big Twelve. So very true. <laughs> Very true. And went to New Orleans. So, dude, I if we see Rule Baylor, that means we're we're kicking butt, in my opinion. But I I disagree with you. Actually, I think Fedora is going to make a statement early. I think I think we are going to see Brewer just thrive, and those hopefully those running backs, like you said, just go off. I think it's going to be a show. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but it is going to be fun. Travis Corley, the Oso Podcast. Thanks so much for your time. Tell everybody real quick where they can catch your podcast this week, and we will definitely make sure to check that out. Yeah, the Oso Podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, it's on iHeart, it's on Buzzsprout. Releasing episodes every Monday. I try to get you that Aranda game day press conference. I think it's really important to hear what the coach has to say leading up to the game. There you go. Last question for you. I'm a youth pastor, right? So that's what I do. I was looking through your Twitter followers today. How did you get Bob Johns to get in on your podcast, man? Now, for those of you who don't live around Waco, you have no idea. But if you are anywhere around Waco, you know that Bob Johns is like the name when it comes to youth ministry in Central Texas. How do I get Bob Johns to listen to my podcast, dude? How did you do that? Uh, you 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 gotta know the right people, Scotty. Nah, he uh, he uh, officiated my older brother's wedding, so that's kind of oh, how we great. made that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. All right, Travis Corley, Oso Podcast. All right, brother. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Take care. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Travis. I sure did. We uh, get along really well and love feeling each other out on Baylor football, and really a pleasure to have him on this week. So thankful for you, Travis. Thank you again, man. 
That about does it for us. I'll be in Waco Saturday, hoping that there's a kickoff against Kansas. Really looking forward to see Aranda's squad finally get on the field. I think, kind of like I said to Travis, I think this Fedora offense is going to immediately open some eyes and get some people fired up, and I think Dave Aranda is going to be an outstanding head coach. Can't wait to have him on the sideline for that first game at McLean Stadium. If you're going to be there or if you'd like to uh, hang out a little bit before the game at a tailgate or something, hey, feel free to reach out. Reach out to me at Twitter, Facebook, please. Please bear with me. I would love to see you and in a COVID safe way, get to know you and hear from you. And if you want to jump on the podcast sometime, reach out as well. We'll get your thoughts here on the podcast. Thanks again to Travis Corley. Thanks again to Michael and Travis Roeder for last week's episode. And thanks to Tim Watkins and 247, as always, for hosting and making this podcast possible. Thanks to Iron Kids for our music. Man, this music has served us so well for the past three and going on four seasons, and we're going to keep using it because it's awesome. Pleasure to have you in this week. Sick'em Bears, let's beat Kansas. Let's get that first game out of the way, and we will talk to you next week to recap all of it. For all those folks I mentioned, my name's Scotty Swingler. This has been Please Bear With Me.